at 65 degrees in here right now. But nobody would come. <laughs> well, it's good to see each one today. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Um, 1 Corinthians 13. Ask you to be in prayer this month for our missions conference coming up at the end of the month. Uh, looking forward to having Brother Creech with us. Um, the Lord has blessed us with with that, these opportunities. We had the opportunity with Brother Hudson last week, and now we have Brother Creech coming. And these men that have been in the ministry for uh, over 30, 40 years and been mightily used by God, they have so much experience to draw from, so much wisdom to draw from. And so uh, keep, a, keep our missions conference in mind. It is the 25th through the 31st of this month, the last part of the month. Uh, set those days aside and, and endeavor to be here for that. I promise you uh, it will be a blessing. Robert Creech, one of the most humble men I've ever known, uh, saved from a hippie lifestyle and uh, has back in the hills of Arkansas. He and, he and his wife were living on the land. They had no electricity, running water, anything. They had, they had gone uh, completely off-grid and was into a lot of that lifestyle, hippie lifestyle, and God saved him out of that. Got a great testimony of salvation. And, and from that point on, he's just been on fire for God. And so uh, please be in prayer for that and, and be faithful to be here. Uh, one other thing I want to mention before we get into the message tonight, I'm going to drown Daniel Sires. So now Daniel asked me a couple weeks ago if he could be baptized and gives a clear testimony of salvation. So uh, tonight after the service, uh, we're going to have a baptismal service, so I'm excited about that. I've filled the tank, and I haven't even turned the heater on, so <laughs> we're going to see how tough this football player is tonight. I got some <laughs> I got to get in there too, brother. I, I... <laughs> All right, well, in chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians... I was reading this earlier this week, and it's been on my mind all week long. I titled the message, and I'm not, I'm not trying to be controversial here, I titled the message, I Hate Wind Chimes, all right? And I do. <laughs> uh, tell you something about myself this morning. I do not like repetitive noises. My mother loved wind chimes when I was a kid. Well, still today she has wind chimes. Um, she had this one particular wind chime that was... Three pieces of metal that were welded at the top and triangular, they got wider as they came to the bottom, and it made a triangle. You had a clapper coming down out of the middle of that with a wooden uh, disc that you could slide up and down inside and make the tone different. Um, she always kept it at the bottom, and it would go around and clang. Well, you, all, you only had one note, and it was over and over and over. She thought it was beautiful. It drove me bonkers. She would get, she would get frustrated because she would come home if I had been at her house, at, for any time, one of the first things I would do was walk to that wind chime and slide that wooden disc all the way up the rod till it was tight and it wouldn't make any noise. I muted her wind chimes. I, I just don't like wind chimes. And uh, <laughs> I know I'm probably in the minority, but, but uh, it is a personal thing. I hate wind chimes. And as I was reading this passage, it, I, it made me think of that. It made me think of that. Are we just wind chimes? Are we just repetitive noise? Let's look at the passage. I want to read the entire chapter. 
Uh, we're gonna, I'm going to preach through chapter or verse 8 this morning, hopefully. Um, but I want to read the entire chapter. So verse 1 says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, and have not charity, I am become as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy, and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, so that I could remove mountains, and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Charity suffereth long, and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up. Doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. Rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never faileth, but whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known. And these abideth faith, hope, charity, these three. But the greatest of these is charity. I hate wind chimes this morning. I don't want my life to be a tinkling brass and a sounding cymbal. Sounding brass and tinkling cymbal. I want it to have some, some merit, some usefulness. This chapter says, without charity, that's all we are. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, guide us this morning. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Lord, that because of you, you loving us, we can learn love. Lord, we understand it. We, we've experienced it. Father, it is through you and by you, and, and it is only uh, through you. I ask that you'd work in our hearts this morning, that we would consider, do we truly have charity in our heart today? In Christ's name we pray, amen. So, as I said, I, I just don't like repetitive noises. Um, we have toys at home that the kids will push the same button over and over and over and over. And dad's over there <laughs> getting Tourette's. Because what's the point of noise if it's just noise? It just, it just distracts. It just gets in the way. It just, it just hides the truth many times if it's just noise. And I, I want to look at this. We have two points this morning is all I have. Number one is empty talents. And number two is empty of self. I, I see a definition of love in this, and I've preached on that before. But I also see these talents... And I, I, want to think, I want you to think about it. Verse 1 through 3, we see the empty talents. Though, verse 1, I speak with the tongue of men and of angels. Though I speak with the tongue of men and angels. Although I'm eloquent, if I have been given the gift of speaking. I, I say my younger brother has the gift of gab. As from the time he was a little bitty kid, he never shut up. He talks constantly. He's 42 years old, and it hasn't slowed down much. He still likes to talk. My dad, this is a gift my dad has. My dad can talk to anyone. 
and relate to them. It's a gift. And I'm not saying it's wrong. Praise the Lord for that gift. As a pastor, I'm jealous of that gift of my dad. He can can so easily relate to people, and they relate to him. God has given him that. I'm thankful for it. If that's you this morning, it's a great thing. Please don't take it for granted. But the Bible says if you don't have love, all you are is noise. All you are is talking. We all know that person that we just wish would quit talking. My dad tells the story of being on the bus. When he was a kid, he had to ride 30-some miles one way on the bus to school. We lived out on a ranch. And some of the other ranch kids got on at the same spot as dad. And so they had to sit with him for 30 miles one way, an hour a day at least on the bus. The first month, my dad's at this new place riding this new bus, and one of the kids looks at the bus driver and says, I wish Ricker would just shut up. (laughs) He was just noise. You know, my dad has this gift of talking to people, but it is after he got to know the Lord and after even years in the ministry that the charity started to show. I mean, I remember it all of my life, but I look at it now and I see a man who truly cares about people. So he can talk to whoever it is, but he relates to them because the love of God is shed abroad in his heart. It matters to people because he can, he can show them true charity, true love. But it is a talent to be able to speak, and I praise the Lord for those that have that talent. But let's remember it is from God, and we are to have the mind of Christ. If Without love, it's just a sounding brass. It's just a tinkling cymbal. You're just noise. And he says, Though you're a scholar, though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mystery and all knowledge, and though I have faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I'm nothing. This verse is astounding to me. I consider the, I consider the talking thing, okay, I, I see that. And please don't, don't, say, uh, don't misunderstand me. I'm not casting doubt on the verse. But in my mind, verse 2 is harder to accept than verse 1. If I have the faith to remove mountains, if I understand prophecy, if I, if I am one who has studied this word, that's what that says. You don't need other prophecy. When the Bible says understand prophecy, this is the prophecy. Okay? Don't come to me and tell me God showed you something new. The Bible said don't add to this word or take away from it. It's complete and perfect. So when it says you have understanding of prophecies, this is what it's talking about. So we have men and women who are true scholars of the Word of God, true st- study it and study it and study it. That's, that's what I'm so uh, challenged by Brother Hudson with, is his knowledge of the Word of God as he stands here and he spouts off chapters of the Bible and then he tells you the key verses in each chapter and he tells you the context of the chapter and the outline of the book. And he just goes back and forth on, on the entire New Testament. It's amazing to me, and I praise the Lord for it. That is a gift, and it's a great thing. I hope we're studying our Word. I I want to, when I'm 81 years old, be able to stand and preach the Word of God. But it says, it doesn't matter if I don't have charity. If you don't truly care about people, all you're doing is railing at them. If the pastor doesn't care, all he's doing is standing up here and telling you how to live. 
if you have all knowledge and faith that can move a mountain, yet you have no charity, you're nothing. You're nothing. Knowledge puffeth up, the Bible says, right? Charity humbles. Charity brings us back to God. Verse 3 says, And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Another step in faith here. Although I give all that I have, if I'm willing to just sacrifice everything I have, you take it. If I'm willing to lay down my life, the Bible says, those who, are, who have been martyred, if they do not have charity, what does it say? They're nothing. We look at them as heroes of the faith. The Bible says without charity, it's nothing. These statements astound me, and I consider what it truly means to love God and have the love of God in my heart. I can do all these things. I can have all these talents, but if He's not dwelling within me, I'm nothing. If you don't know the Lord is your Savior this morning, that's what it says. I'm not saying that. The Bible says that. Your life is empty. Your life is vain. There's no point in it. You're just a wind chime. You're just a wind chime. What did, what did, in 1 Samuel chapter 15, 22, I want to go there. We're speaking of giving our all, our sacrifice here. Saul, Saul sacrificed. In chapter 15, verse 22, Saul disobeyed God. And Samuel gives him some advice here. Samuel said, Hath the Lord is great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices, as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams. I can give it all. I can lay down my life. But if I'm not obeying the love of God, if I haven't surrendered to Him, it's nothing. Go with me to chapter, John chapter 13. <clears throat> John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35. We see Jesus speaking here. That verse in Samuel said, It is better to obey than to sacrifice. What God asks of us is obedience. This verse says, A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another, as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. You know what this passage says? If you stand up here and can speak eloquently, if you can stand up here and spout Scripture, memorize the New Testament, that's the rumor I heard about Adolf Hitler, was that he had memorized the New Testament. If you have portions of the Bible memorized and you can, and you can just, they just roll off your tongue. If you are sacrificially giving all the time, yet you haven't obeyed this simple command right here, you're nothing. God is not pleased with it. It is better to obey than to sacrifice. New commandment I give you. Love one another. Uh, John chapter, or 1 John chapter 4. 
First John chapter four, seven and eight. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. This, this tells us why it's empty. When I say I can't wrap my brain around why a person having faith moving a mountain, he, he may say he believes in God, but so does the devil. He believes and trembles, the Bible says. This says, if I don't love, I don't have the love of God in my heart. I'm nothing, I'm nothing in myself, and that's what the Word of God is saying. If I don't know Him, life is empty. If you don't know Him this morning, the Bible says it's just noise. It's just noise. I think that'd be the worst thing you could have said at the end of your life. It was just noise. Here was a person who had all kinds of abilities. Here was a person who did some great things earthly speaking but he had no love in his heart he didn't know the Lord as, as his Savior he wasn't walking with God you could just write vanity on his tombstone if we have all these things yet we don't know the love of the Lord we're nothing we're nothing now he goes on and I and I love this definition of love we, we see him talking about what it is to love we we're told listen you you gotta, you gotta love one another. You gotta have the love of God in your heart. This definition of love, if I can, if I can just give it a, um, a title or or a overview, it is that is empty of self, empty of self. And I want to go to Romans chapter five before I start reading down through the list. There, I'm going to read the entire chapter, Romans chapter five this morning. I want you to consider what has God done in your life? What has God done in your life? Have you experienced the love of God? When I, when I was thinking about the love of God, verse 5 is what came to my mind. But I want to I read through the entire chapter. Therefore, being justified, justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's an amazing verse right there. I could preach an entire sermon on that verse. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. I know where I'm going, and I know that I have a relationship with Him. My sin that separated between me and Him has been paid for, and I've been washed from the blood of the Lamb. I can go boldly before the throne of God. That's what that verse says. Verse 2, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace, wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we glory in tribulation also. Knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. If you have not experienced the, whole, the love of God, you've never accepted the Lord as your Savior. He says in this verse right here that when you're given the Holy Ghost, when He comes in, and I know by Scripture, and you know by Scripture, that at salvation, the Holy Spirit dwells within you. 
You're the temple of the Holy Ghost. This verse says when the Holy Ghost moves in, the love of God is spread abroad in your heart. It's like putting butter all over the toast. It's completely covered. It's spread abroad. We have it in and through us then. Now we can get away from the Lord and we can lose the joy of our salvation. Brother Hudson was preaching about that. But I want to know if you've ever experienced that to begin with. This will go on, but just consider the love of God being spread abroad in your heart. Verse 6, For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. We know this is true, right? We'll die for those causes that we believe in. I will die. I, I, I hope this is true. I, I believe it is. I will die to protect my family. If, if you touch my children, I will die trying to save them. So he says this is a natural thing for us to do, right? To protect those that we love. But verse 8 says, But God committed his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. When we were in sin, the Bible says, we're the enemy of God. Not too many of us are going to go die for our enemies. Go take, go take Kim Jong-un's place. Die for him. It's God that does these things. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more being reconciled shall we be saved by his life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. For unto the law sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that is to come. But as not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace which is by one man, Jesus Christ hath abounded unto many. And not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which received abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. Therefore, as by the offense of one judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the, that the offense may abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. He said in verse 5 that through the Holy Ghost coming in, the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. We learn love. He says in verse, in verse, uh, verse 19 through 20, that because of Adam's sin, all are sinners. Because of sin coming through Adam, we all have that sin nature. The sinner might say, well, I've, I've done so much, God can never forgive me. Consider the first sin. 
consider what Adam and Eve did. God gave them the perfect environment to live in. The Garden of Eden is beyond our wildest imaginations. It was perfect in every way. And God said, don't eat of this one tree. They had, they had fruit trees all over the garden. They had everything they could possibly need provided for them. And their creator came and walked with them. God walked in the garden with Adam. He had this perfect relationship with God in a perfect place. All of his needs provided. And yet, Eve looked on the fruit, saw that it was good to look upon. The serpent spoke to her, Satan deceived her, and she took it. You know, there's not been a more vile sin ever committed than that right there. We want to say that our sin is so great. Well, consider what, what Adam and Eve did. Consider what I did. Consider what Paul did. Just, just think about the testimonies of Christians. Paul said, of sinners, I am the chief. He murdered, he murdered Christians. He stood and held the garments while they stoned Stephen for his faith. One of the heroes of faith, a man that, as he was on his knees, said, Lord, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing to me. The love of God was shed abroad in that man's life. The man that killed him was saved. Why? Because in verse 20 it says, uh, But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Your sin can never outdo the grace of God. Your sin has less power over you than the grace of God can have if you give it to Him. If you turn over your heart and soul to God, the grace of God is much more powerful than the sin. So the love of God can be shed abroad in your heart. The Holy Spirit can move in. You can know the peace that is spoken of in verse 1. It doesn't matter what I've done. So thankful His mercy is extended to all of us. His grace is sufficient for all of us. He died and He paid the penalty for every sin that has ever been or ever will be committed. All of them. Just accept Him. So we see love defined, uh, love being shed abroad in our hearts in chapter 5 of Romans. Go back with me to chapter uh, 13 in 1 Corinthians and we'll read verse 4, 5 and uh, 4 through 7 now. I, believe, I, I look at this as love defined. Love defined that only comes from God. It is a total uh, self-denial. I have two categories in this. You have the knots and you have the alls. The, the knots are, are in verse 4. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself. Is not puffed up doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity. There's some negatives here. This is what love isn't. Love is not unseemly. Love is not puffed up. Love is not vaunting itself. First thing it says is, charity suffereth long. Charity suffereth long. What's the Bible say we are to do when a brother offends us? or to forgive them. I have no place in my life if I'm walking with God for bitterness. Period. Period. Our, our society tries to make it okay when we've been wronged to, to keep something against that individual. Not according to the Word of God. 
Charity is suffers long and is kind. My response to the offense is kindness. That's charity. Jesus didn't harbor bitterness towards man. Can you imagine if he did? One grain of bitterness in the heart of God and he would have destroyed us all. I'm to have the mind of Christ. I cannot have bitterness. We are to let it go. It envieth not. It's not jealous. It's not jealous. Consider that. How easy it is, is it to be jealous of someone else? The things they have, the way they look, their abilities. And Satan's always coming along saying, boy, this person's better than you. This person's got more than you. You deserve what that person has. And we lose our love. We lose our charity for that individual. There is no place in love for jealousy. If that person succeeds, if he is given something, or, or God blesses a family greatly, what is the response of the man of God? The servant of God. Praise the Lord. We're happy for them. Why? Because we love them. The love of God is shed abroad in our heart. It's not jealous. It's not assertive. It's not assertive. Verse 5, or verse 4 says, Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up. We don't need our own way. We don't need to be even heard. How many times do we lift ourselves up? I didn't get any recognition for what I did this week. I'm, I'm done helping that person. They don't, they don't seem to care at all. We don't know their thoughts, first of all. We're judging their thoughts. Secondly, it doesn't really matter. Secondly, if I love them, I'm going to continue to treat them kind, whether they lift me up or not. I, I should not seek to be known. I should not seek to be, to be uh, famous or well thought of. My life is to point people to Christ. So it's not, it's not lifting oneself up. It's not assertive. It's not inappropriate. It's not inappropriate. Verse 5, doth not behave itself unseemly. Seeketh not her own. It's the same thing again, but it is, it is beyond that. It's, it's doing things wrong to get, a, to get attention. It's, it's being, um, well, I guess the best word is inappropriate. Philippians chapter 1, Philippians chapter 1, verse 9 and 10. Verse 8 says, For God is my record, how greatly I long after you all in the bowels of Jesus Christ. And Paul says, This is my prayer, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment, that ye may approve things that are excellent, that ye may be sincere and without offense to the day of Christ. As I was trying to figure out how, to, uh, how I would describe being unseemly, or to not be unseemly, this is the passage that I think of. That in my life I may approve things that are excellent. That means I'm striving for excellence. I'm, I have the love of God in my heart, right? It's, it's more and more knowledge and in all judgment. That's what verse 9 says. And when that happens, then I'm approving things that are excellent. Do we strive for excellence in our Christian life? It's not being satisfied with, with middle of the road. It's not being satisfied with, okay, it's, it's looking for that very, very best. And then it says that we may be sincere and without offense 
till the day of Christ, that there can be nothing brought against us. There's a man who lived his life in the love of God, striving to please Him, striving to do His very, very best every moment of every day, never letting down my guard. Sincere, constant, striving for excellence. Love is not unseemly. Love doesn't allow for things to be okay in my life. I'm striving to do those things that are excellent. Is not angry. Verse 5 says, Is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity. It's not easily provoked. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. Just think about how many times you were provoked this week. How many times did we get angry? I tell you, I, I, I've said from the pulpit here, I don't know how many times, that road rage is something I deal with. When I have a place I need to go, if I have a point in mind and I'm going there, if you're going to get in my way and hinder me, I'm going to have to stop and pray for you or I'm going to want to run you off the road. I want to get there. Is not easily provoked. That means it takes a lot to elicit a reaction of anger from you. Charity suffereth long, is not easily provoked. I don't know your temper. I don't know all of your temperaments. I don't know how you are in your house. I don't know how you are with your spouse. You do. God does. How do we respond? Proverbs says the soft answer turneth away wrath. Proverbs also says only by pride cometh contention. Consider that when we are easily provoked. Why? It's because we're proud. And then we're going to not answer softly. Then we're going to answer roughly or in kind to how we were just spoken to. And it is going to incur more and more wrath. Why? Because I have pride. Why? Because there's not charity in my heart. Is not easily provoked. Suffereth long. You come at me, and I'm going to continue to love you if I have the mind of Christ. These are the knots. There are the alls. Verse 7 says it beareth all things. Beareth all things. That is offenses. I take them, I bear them, I'm okay with them because I love you. I'm not going to respond as you respond as you came at me, but it's also coming along and lifting the burdens of others. The charitable person is seeking to find those burdens and bear them for one another. It is the job of the church. We're, we're supposed to do that as a family together, bear one another's burdens. Not going to do it without love. Love beareth all things comes along and lifts each other up. It is there for one another. Believeth all things. Believeth all things, it says in verse 7. That doesn't mean we're, we just, everything everybody tells us we believe. That's not what it's talking about. It's not what it's talking about at all. Go with me to James chapter 3. James chapter 3. I...
verse 17 says, But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy. This is how I see it. I'm easily entreated. I'm willing to listen. But it is about faith. It's about faith. I'm trusting God in your life as well as in mine. You can come and talk to me. I'm, I, I, I want to have that wisdom that's from above, that's pure, peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy, good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy. It's in truth. But I also want to know that I can trust God in your life to lead you. Believeth all things. It's trusting God. I don't have trust in man. I hope you don't have trust in me. Your faith is not to be in me as the pastor. Your faith is to be in God. And it is to be that God will keep me walking right. And I will then have the same faith towards you that God will keep you walking right. I love you because I know you walk with God. Believeth all things. It's not being gullible. It's being uh, walking. It's being uh, consumed by faith. It says, "Hopeth all things." Hopeth all things. That's that's faith as well. I'm looking forward. This world is not my home. The Bible speaks of our hope. Our hope is looking forward. Our hope is that I know where I'm going when I die. I can stand here and say on the authority of the Word of God, I know where I'm going when I die. I praise the Lord for that. You can know that as well. Hopeth all things. I, I'm looking for that for you. My desire is that you will have that hope as well. Endureth all things, he says lastly. Endureth all things. What's, what did Jesus tell us to do? We were to turn the other cheek. If you come and slap me on this side, I'm, the, I'm supposed to turn the other side and give you another shot. <laughs> I'm, I'm not to respond in kind. I'm to be gracious and loving. The Bible says, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. We're going to look at that tonight. In, in Numbers, we're, look at, we're looking at Moses, and Moses is gets uh, his, his brother and sister come against him. And in that entire chapter, Moses never says a thing against them. Not one time. The Bible says that Moses was the meekest of all men in that chapter. He didn't respond in kind. He, he let God take it. It's amazing. They came at, at Moses and immediately God spoke to them. God, God took the case and he handled it as he should. Do we trust him to do that? I, I looked at that chapter, it's an amazing thing. I can endure all things if I know that he is in control. I don't have to handle what all is going on in this world. Let God take care of that. I'm going to love the individual. So love is all of these things. It's selflessness. It is not jealousy. It is not... It is not assertiveness, inappropriateness, or anger. It is, it is bearing those burdens. It's believing, it's, it's hoping, and it's enduring. It comes back to this. I want to, I want to close with this thought again. Romans chapter 5 says that the love of God is shed abroad in your hearts when the Holy Spirit is there.
The Bible says that as Christians we can quench the Spirit. Quench not the Spirit, the Bible says. That means to, to anger Him or to... Uh, uh, that's not the right word. To, to cause offense. To sever the communication between my Spirit and His. That is to grieve the Holy Spirit. Then the love of God is not shed abroad in my heart. Why? Because I'm living for self. What is, my, what is my talent then? It is just noise. What is my service for God? It's just noise. I don't want to be a tinkling cymbal. I don't want to be a wind chime. If you're here this morning and you don't know Christ as your Savior, the Holy Spirit's never moved in. You cannot know the love of God outside of Him. His love is, His love is shown to us by Christ dying on the cross. Our sin is paid for by Christ shedding His blood on the cross. You can trust Him today. Where your sin doth abound, and listen, your sin is offensive to God, grace does much more abound. The love of God is greater far than your sin. Trust Him today. Christian, are we walking in the love of God? Or are we a wind chime? Let's pray. Father, thank You for our time this morning. Thank you, Lord, for your word, and help us, Father, to be honest with you. Lord, we, we have the great responsibility and the great privilege of serving you. We have the honor, Lord, of being your ambassadors to this present world. But, Father, if we're not walking in your love, if we're consumed by faith, by selfishness, not by faith, Lord, we're going to fall short every single time. Lord, if there's bitterness in a heart this morning, if there's jealousy in a heart this morning, if there's discontentment, if there's sin, Lord, I ask that you would convict us of those things right now. That we would be faithful to, to turn to you, to confess those sins, knowing that you are faithful and just to forgive us. Lord, if there's someone that doesn't know you as their Savior today, I don't know the hearts. Lord, help them to see the good news of the gospel. Lord, that that where our sin abounds, your love and your grace is much greater. Work in this time of invitation, Lord. Let's all stand with our heads bowed and eyes closed.